Welcome to the Aspen Chapel podcast with me, Nicholas Feasy. Thank you, Ward. And uh, it's a bit of a two-parter today. I'm going to say a little bit, and then Mimi's going to come up and say a little bit afterwards, uh, uh, sort of a bit of a, a guest speaker. So this um, is the last in a series that we're doing on the promise of Christmas. And if you want to catch any of the other ones, then uh, uh, if you look at the... Uh, the red little slips in front of you on the thing, you can see how to get previous ones on that. And if you want to be on our mailing list, the little uh, blue one is there as well. And just over this series, we've talked about, uh, we've really looked at the shepherds uh, being talked to by the angels who promised them you know, peace and goodwill towards men. Um, but they also said, and you can probably tell from... Uh, um, Ward's reading, they said, good tidings of great joy. So the other promise that we have from Christmas is the promise of joy. Because once one has that, and we talked about it, that peace that passes all understanding, and once one has opened one's heart to receive the favor of God's goodwill, then the natural result of that, the natural result of, of that peace and that sense of favor is joy. I was saying previously that we begin our lives by, you know, all of us are striving for something when we start off in, in school and we want to get our exams and then we want to get this and we want to get that and then we've got that car and that, that job and that relationship and that this and that that and we, we, we carry on embarking on whatever quest we're on whether it's for a, a fame or the relationship or, or money or whatever your particular thing was and then hopefully we come to the realisation that what we actually seek doesn't lie in any of those things. What we're actually seeking is peace. It's not all those things that we're striving to get. What we're actually wanting is the peace that we think those things will bring us. So that peace is the great motivation, really, if we could but see it. But seeing that peace is, is really what we're wanting is a major realisation. It's a, it's a game-changing thing in one's life because we're always driven towards something because we think that will give us eventually the peace. But when you realise that it's not those things, but it's you give up and suddenly the peace appears. It's a moment of letting go. We give up on our quests and we discover all the time that that peace was within us. That's the sort of journey of spirituality. At some point you get that. And you do give up and you do feel that peace. As in the Arthurian legend of the Grail. Where the knights are roaming around trying to find the Grail. But eventually realise that... I and the Grail are one. There's a sense of that realisation that, in fact, we're one with that very thing that we're seeking. There is nothing to seek. That peace was there all the time. And so, having done that, we then receive that peace that passes all understanding. 
And from that peace, our soul is able to open. And then we connect with the divine within. I, I think that's the mechanics of actually how it works. I, I, mean, I mean, I'm always interested in the mechanics of how these things work. I mean, our role here, what we try and do here is to work out how to live our lives more skillfully. And I think that's, that, that is how it works. When you realize that peace is really the goal of all, when you arrive at that peace, and it is, it's, you can arrive at that peace, and then once that peace happens, then we connect with the divine within. Then there's nowhere else to go but within. And we actually, we become, that's what it means to become children of the divine. It means that we're driven, not by our quests, but we're driven by the divine that lives and breathes within us. And when you realize that, then you receive the gift of joy. And, you know, many of us who've had experiences like that know when that joy comes. You, when you give up on all that and suddenly you feel that joy of being alive, you realize that state, the gift of joy. And joy is based on the Latin word gaudere, which means to rejoice. So what's happening is when you make that connection, there's an automatic rejoicing. We literally rejoice in that peace and that connection with the infinite. And anyone who's experienced that connection, you can identify with that. And it's there at Christmas. The whole story is there at Christmas because the baby coming represents the arrival of peace, favor, and joy into the world through the incarnation, through the spirit incarnate coming into the flesh, the spirit becoming flesh in Jesus and all of us. And that is the celebration of Christmas. Real joy comes from being completely at peace with your life. So you can rest in love. Sounds great, isn't it? Resting in love. It is a falling into the depths of life, into a, a deep connectivity with all things. And that passage from the Dhammapada speaks of living in joy. Live in joy. Even when those among you hate, even among the afflicted, live in joy. Even among the troubled, let go of winning and losing and find joy. Know the sweet joy of the way. Joy is a sure sign that we're on the right path. And it's worth, you know, particularly at New Year, taking a bit of an inventory about how much joy you do experience in your life. I mean, a lot of us experience a lot of busyness. We experience sort of getting on with it. And a little bit of peace here and there. But, you know, how much joy do we experience? And if you feel not very much, then it's worth reaching for joy, even in times of pain. Seeing if you can arrive at a peace that will let joy come in. There's that famous verse from Hebrews 12. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scoring his shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It's really saying there that, that in his journey, joy was really at the center of it. Fixing his eyes on that joy, 
he even was able to go and endure the cross, his suffering, because he knew that fundamentally he was connected to God. That's where the joy came from. He was connected to the divine in all things. And there was a sense, even in that pain of wellness, and, and we, we really have to reach for that wellness. We have to stretch down into the murky waters and touch the bottom, the fundamental truth and the fundamental truth is that all will be well. I, I love the thing. I can't remember we said it. We said all will be well. I know Julian Norwich said all will be well and all things will be well. Uh, in the end, all will be well. And if it's not well, it's not the end. And that's quite a nice thought that actually one can reach for that wellness. And what comes up to us at that moment is joy. The exaltation of the spirit leaping up. The spirit of our hearts leaping for joy. So joy, I think, is about wellness, knowing that all will be well, knowing that the universe is a friendly place, knowing that lovely line from Romans, all things count for good for those that love the Lord. You know, you can, you can get, get around all this sort of biblical sound of it, but all things count for good for those that love the Lord means that fundamentally in everything there is a place of good that one can reach if one is willing to reach it, even in the darkest pain. One can reach for that good. To be united with God in love is to know the true joy that's at the center of all life. And we're here to experience that. You know, in Advent and Christmas, you're supposed to look towards the second coming. You know, all that sort of stuff. And the second coming is really a full experience of joy. For me, the second coming is not all that low he comes in clouds descending. You know, all that stuff about Jesus coming down on a cloud. from You know, I don't go with any of that. But there's that lovely poem by Derek Walcott, um, which for me much more describes that sense of joy. And Derek Walcott says, The time will come when with elation you will greet yourself arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you. All your life, whom you ignored for another who knows you by heart, take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes, Peel your own image from the mirror. Sit. Feast on your life. That whole idea that really the person, that really what we're looking for is that true self of who we are. We're going to greet ourselves finally. The real meaning of the second coming, here we are, just a The real meaning of the second coming is when all consciousness everywhere becomes aware of itself in God and as God. When all consciousness everywhere becomes aware of itself in God and as God. You greet yourself arriving. And there is another word for joy in that, which is used in that poem, which is elation. That is the fullness of joy that Jesus is speaking about. I've told you this, that you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. 
The second coming is that moment of completion when all consciousness is transformed into one and joy is the central experience of it all. And, you know, we get a hint of it from peak experiences, you know, samadhi, enlightenment, all that sort of stuff. All those touch that sense of joy and the joy that we feel in day-to-day life just as a taste of that fundamental joy which expresses God within us. You know, that, that lovely carol, joy to the world, the Lord has come. Once it's all over, what's left is joy. Once we've all sown and harvested, once we've learnt and taught, even in a time of cold and dark, almost like the beginning and the end of the world, you imagine before the big bang, being cold and dark, then yet still there is joy. When it's all over, joy. As Shakespeare said, what's done's done. The joy is in the doing. And that's the center of it. We sow, we reap, we learn, we teach. But in all there is joy if we did but know it. At the center of that eternal now, that eternal now that connects us right now, that sacred time, that present moment, is the access to joy, if we could but touch it. Because all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. Because the universe is a friendly place. Because we are all connected through our consciousness and there is order in that connectivity. That knowledge produces joy and that joy is infectious. Once realised, it can be spread. Thank you, Mimi. I noticed this Christmas more than any other. I've been touched by Charles Dickens's Christmas Carol. We actually watched the Muppet Christmas Carol at home, but apparently that's one of the most faithful renditions of the Christmas Carol. But the Christmas Carol, to me, is an arrival into joy. I mean, Scrooge has to confront his past. He has to confront his future. He has to confront the present. And for me, joy is the highest emotion of the heart. And what happens is when Scrooge has let go of that, he opens his window and it's joy that comes out once he's let go of everything else. And I think that once we've let go of everything else, as Mimi helped us do, it is joy that comes out. And uh, we always give people an opportunity to say a few words. Stanley, do you want to grab this? Say a few words, um, just reflect on what we've been saying. We've, got, we've, we've had a few sort of conversations around Christmas and stuff like that, uh, around peace. Is anybody... It's okay if no one does. Uh, that we always say that silence is completely okay in these circumstances. But is there anybody who would like to say anything, add anything, make a comment about either joy or peace or anything that we've been covering over the last uh, period of time? Bruce, thank you. mentioned both the sages and the neuroscientists you know sense certain things about our our emotions and uh, when you talked about striving uh, 
you know, we're, we're wired evolutionarily to strive, you know, yeah. to survive. Yeah. So to use Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, what's your long-term plan? Well, me and the team tomorrow are going to try to survive. That's, that was it. Yeah. And so nature doesn't like a complacent creature. It just doesn't survive. But we're so clever, we were able to sort of obviate our survival needs and our security needs. But we still have the striving type of thing. So modern marketing, advertising has figured out how to you know, sort of convince us that if we just had this or that or whatever, then we'd be happy. And so I think to a certain degree to be able to say, <clears throat> you know, I don't want to be a victim of, of this whole you know, consumer marketing culture and what alternatively would I strive for? And, and so that would be, you know, inner psychological growth, you know, and, 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 you know, serving the greater good and so forth. So I think that, you know, to sort of just sort of say, oh, just give up, you know, sort of attachments. That's very hard. I mean, look where we live right here in Aspen. My gosh, it's, it's crazy. Just go, you know, count the private jets there at the, at the, at the airport. So I, I think that, that uh, to be able to, Sort of, it's like the 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 Rolling Stones song of I can't I can't get no satisfaction. It really, should be I can't keep no satisfaction because that that just doesn't work. So I think that if you know we realize that oh we're wired to strive, and when we get something like if you see a lion, you know video watching them on the, the hunt, they're getting dopamine. They're they're striving to get their 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 meal. Yeah. Once they get their meal. <coughs> that chemical has to stop to give them a sense of contentment and peace. Like, hey, I'm stuffed, you know, type of thing. But at some point, the dopamine's gonna kick in again, type of thing. So, you know, we just have to be aware of that and how, how our culture sort of manipulates us and, and just, you know, not be fooled by it. No, I think it's right. I, and it reminds me, we had that reading from Ward from the Dharmapada, but I love that, that Buddhist thing, I, I'm not going to get it right because I have to make it up and haven't got it written down in front of me. You know, that, that Buddhist thing which says, oh seeker, it is not the scriptures that will lead you to the right path. It is not meditation. It is not this. It is that. Oh seeker, seek nothing. And, and that is the, the imperative. And if you look at all these Buddhist jokes, it's all about nothing, you know. Being, but that's the meaning of that. It is when you're willing to seek nothing. Yeah, in the Christian tradition, Meister Eckhart, when he describes the nature of meditation, you know, what, what meditation, he says that meditation is a place where you want for nothing, you will nothing, you know, as you're not trying to make things happen, and you know nothing. And right the way through all the spiritual teachings, there is this secret that when you let go of the striving, then the peace can come in. And I think the striving and the advertising culture is all from you know, our minds, and the, the mind is actually programmed to survive. But the heart is not programmed to survive. The heart is programmed just to be. And it, it was Rowan Williams who said that, that, in his view, meditation was the only thing that would enable an individual to um, deal with the insane advertising culture and, you know, 
financial, emotional turmoil that is there. It is that willingness just to be in the present moment with nothing going on. And it, has to, it is intentional. You know, without the intentionality of it, it never comes about. But when you do have that intentionality, when you realize that that is where the secret lies, then it is possible to practice that in your life and not be caught up. Of course, we're all caught up with it, you know. But not to be caught up with it and to have those great moments of peace in one's life where joy can come through, I think. Thank you, Bruce. Anybody else? Always nice to have a bit of silence. There we are, Louisa. And you nearly got it then. Scratching your nose when I'm asking you. I nearly came to you then. <laughs> but I realized it was just a scratch. Yes, Louisa, how nice to see you. Me too. It's, it's not so much, it's an observation when Bruce starts saying he was going to quote the Rolling Stones song. Yeah. I was thinking he was going to quote, you can't always get you what, yeah. what you want. Yeah, I thought that you too. Try sometimes you can get what you need. Yeah. So... I'm trying to get what I need. <laughs> yeah, no. You're trying to what? Get what I need. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. I think that's good. Thank you. Yes, Mimi. Let's come to Mimi because uh, Mimi's been really involved in this. I'd love to hear what you have to say, Mimi. Hi, Catherine. Well, just one thing is that um, this doesn't come through intellectualizing it. No. It comes, as you said, through your heart, through that sensation of feeling the smile. It's different than intellectualizing the experience. And I, I think that's what, that's what I was trying to do when we did that little meditation. Yeah. It's not an intellectual thing. So it's, it's very different. And it's interesting, isn't it, when you look at the general conversation by the general conversation, I mean social media, the news, comments on television and radio and all that sort of business. If you think of how much of that general conversation comes from the head and how much comes from the heart. I mean, the, it's minute the amount that seems to come from the heart com compared to the amount that comes from the head. And, and that's the challenge that we have, the challenge to encourage each other. That's what we're doing here. We're encouraging each other to come from the heart and saying, hey, this is where it's really at. It's not up here. Thank you, Mimi. Anybody else? If you feel moved to make a donation to the chapel, please go to aspenchapel.org. Thank you. And if you'd like to receive these podcasts regularly, Subscribe to the Aspen Chapel through Apple, Google Play, YouTube, or any other outlet.